Hello, and welcome to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes, and I'm your host. And if you're new to the podcast, this is all about sharing the journeys of women who have been through a challenging time in their life, and they're going to share the journey, the lessons they've learned, and offer some advice for those of you who may be going through something similar in your own life. And today we have Jennifer Pennell, and Jennifer is a play and meditation specialist sought after for her unique approach to personal growth. She helps women of all ages relearn how to play as a way to improve vitality, unleash creativity, reduce anxiety, and be present in their lives. Her 10 years of intense meditation studies, coupled with 15 years as an executive search consultant working with Fortune 500 companies, has helped her support over 150 clients, reduce stress and anxiety in the bodies. Doing so has allowed her clients more easeful living and better relationships with themselves, their partners, and their life. She has facilitated over 20 workshops centered around play, meditation, empowerment, and wildness. Additionally, Jennifer has over 1,000 hours as an IST practitioner, meditation-based healing and regression modality. Jennifer lives in San Diego with her husband and two teenagers. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for for being my guest today. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sandra. So Jennifer, why don't you start off with sharing the journey that, that really, I guess, was your turning point. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and my journey is it, it's kind of a funny one, actually. Um, it started a little over 10 years ago. <clears throat> and at that time, I was in my mid-30s, and I had arrived. <laughs> I had a loving husband. I had two beautiful kids. Um, I had a nice remodeled home, a white picket fence, the dog, <laughs> you know, and, um, and a successful corporate career. I was not as passionate about it as I had been earlier in my career, but it was still um, financially rewarding and working, working with my life um, quite well. So, so here I was, I had arrived, I had all of this love and abundance, and, uh, and I was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. And, and I didn't know why. You know, like, I, yeah, I could point to a couple things, you know, lost the passion for work, you know, whatnot. But, like, largely, like, I was so ashamed because here I was. I couldn't figure out why I was so unhappy. And, and yet I was. And when I looked around me, it was like I had no business being unhappy. I mean, it just felt like I didn't deserve to. I had everything. And, um, and so not only was I miserable, but I couldn't tell anyone. Like, Wait, cause it almost feels like you're complaining about. Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> nothing because so many other people would be like, but you have everything. You should be grateful. And yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like, and like, I mean, what am I going to, it's like, Oh, poor me. My life is so great. You know? <laughs> It was, you know, it was just, it was confusing and it was really hard. And, and so I hit it. And so what happened is, is that, you know, it's like I kept trying to sweep it under the rug. And so it just kept getting worse and worse until it had really infiltrated, um, infiltrated my entire life. And um, my, my baseline level of happiness, um, I should say it was a strong baseline of dissatisfaction. There, there really wasn't much happiness at all. I mean, 
it's kind of embarrassing, but like at one point I even put like a note up in my office of the things that I thought made me happy. And when I looked at the list much later, I was like, dancing in the rain? Are you kidding me? Like, like, did I pull this off? Like, where did I even get that? It doesn't rain in San Diego. Like, sounds like a Facebook post or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, I mean, I, I just, I hit a point where it was really clear. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what I needed to do, but it was clear that I needed to do something and something big. Um, and I'm not really sort of a halfway person. So it was like, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was, you know, I needed to leave my husband, change careers, leave the country, have an affair. I mean, these are all things that I considered. Um, and they, they're not small things. I mean, no, really shaking <laughs> things up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like the, I felt like I was walking this edge of imploding my life, quite frankly. Um, but I didn't know what else to do. Nothing in moderation seemed to work. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. And so I did this point <laughs> and lucky for me before I sort of embarked on any of these sort of, um, I don't know, <laughs> lines to implosion. Right. <laughs> um, I actually found meditation um, and I wasn't looking for it. And had you asked me even six months earlier, do you think you could meditate? I would have laughed in your face. I mean, it just, it never even occurred to me. And, um, and yet, you know, sometimes at the right time, things present themselves. And so meditation presented itself to me. And I mean, I grabbed on, I grabbed on like it was my life preserver. It was, it was the thing that presented itself. And I felt like I was drowning. It's like, no, I'm grabbing onto this. And, um, and I did. And I, and I, I dove deep and, I haven't stopped since actually. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, there's a, whole, there's a number of pieces connected to the meditation, but through, through the meditation and through, you know, a lot of what I did was the IST work, which you mentioned in my bio is what I'm a practitioner of. Um, it's a meditation related uh, healing modality, but really, you know, the, the key is I just needed to start looking inside you know, I was actually having an internal crisis um, and I needed to understand what was happening. And through meditation and these meditation related techniques, I just, I just dove in and it was amazing how much changed even in like six, within like six months, six, eight months. Um, and, and the best way to put it is like, <clears throat> I've been living from this place of dissatisfaction in my life. So things would happen, right? A dissatisfying thing would happen and it lands into an already existing foundation of dissatisfaction. And it's like, it feels really big and really bad. Um, whereas now, like my life is not so different, but my relationship to my life is really different. And so what I would say is like now I sort of operate from a, my foundation as a state of well-being versus dissatisfaction so dissatisfying things can still happen but when they sort of land into a foundation of well-being they just don't hit in the same way right it's not the same effect because really your perspective has shifted exactly well, right so yeah it's um i think that that's the the big thing for me when you say like you dove full on to 
into meditation. For me, it was affirmations because after my dad died, I was in such a dark place and I didn't know how to um, be happy again. And um, I was, yeah, quite the negative Nelly. So for me, it was really finding a way to to embrace positivity again. Um, but I know what you mean even about meditation because when I first started, I didn't think I could do it because you know you have that preconceived notion of meditation and you know sitting cross-legged with your your thumb and your finger touching and you're just chanting om and for me I was like there's no way that I could sit for five minutes doing that never mind <laughs> 20 minutes or a half an hour um but meditation is a part of my daily practice now as well but it was just finding what worked for me and easing myself into it and um so for me, it was guided meditation that really helped mm-hmm. to start me off. And then, yeah, diving into, you know, chanting and different things like that afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the great thing about meditation is that there's there's so many, um, you know, they say there's like a thousand ways to enlightenment. You just have to find the one that works for you. Yes. <laughs> and so there's just, there's, it's really fabulous in this day and age. There's so many great modalities and different ways to access meditation that, you know, it's like if the first one doesn't speak to you, it doesn't mean that meditation doesn't speak to you. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things for anyone who's curious or interested in meditation. I would absolutely just say, you know, hey, if, if, if you go for one and, and it's not working, like it doesn't mean meditation's not working. It's like exercise, right? Just because you hate to run doesn't mean you shouldn't exercise right. yeah. <laughs> or there, or you won't find one that you love. Like you may love Zumba. <laughs> you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I was the same way. Like I thought there was no way I could sit still for five minutes. My mind raced constantly. I, I just didn't think it was possible. Um, but it's funny, right? Like 10 years later, I meditate, you know, like 45 minutes a day and I can't wait. I can't wait. Right. <laughs> And I have a really great life and it is one of my, it's still one of my favorite parts of my day. So it's really funny. Yeah, I, um, I can't remember who I heard it from, but I remember hearing that, you know, prayer is when you speak to God and meditation is when you listen. Mm. And I love that concept because although I think I misinterpreted it at first because then I expected the answers to come during meditation. (laughs) It doesn't always work that way. Um, Sometimes it, the answers pop up later on in the day or whatever, but it's just, you know, yeah. Silencing or quieting the mind and just being open to receiving. Yes. Yeah. That's so well said. And to your point, Sandra, like, you're right. Like, you know, there's so many times when that, like, it may feel like nothing's happening in meditation. And then the answer does come after meditation later in the day. And there's something so powerful, I mean, inside and outside of meditation about being able to sort of hold the thing, like hold the question, hold the, the you know, what it is you want, being able to just sort of hold something and not need an answer right away. Right. You know, it's like, because sometimes we sort of push for an answer when in fact, like if we can just keep holding it, the answer can come to us and it's so much more easeful. Like it's just so much, (laughs) there's so much less work involved. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think I was saying this in another interview that I think that we have to um, almost teach patience as an art form again, because I feel like we've sort of, like patience isn't something that's practiced very often anymore, I find. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's not even valued. Right. So it's we're in this instant gratification. I want it and I want it now. And so to practice patience, to know, to have faith that the answers will come and not be trying to control when they happen or how they happen yeah. is such a big thing. And I know that for me, that ability to surrender has been a godsend literally because I think that when I try to force things to happen or try to force the answers then you don't you don't hear the answers that you're actually looking for yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) and it's surrender is such a good word because it's I would say it was such a big part of my journey too, because again, like so many years in corporate America, like surrender, like there's (laughs) a sign of weakness completely. Right. So like I was really well armored (laughs) against receiving, against opening, against surrender. Um, And it meant that I was running on fumes. You know, I was really like my, my cup was never full. Um, and so that, that piece, and it took me a long time. Like, like I, I, I really was bought into, you know, you work hard and you make things happen and it's got to come from me. All of that, um, is so built into sort of the sense of how you get things done in corporate America, um, or in most corporations anywhere in the world, frankly, um, that to, to begin to learn how to kind of surrender and to hold hold questions, hold things for the timing. And it's not passive. You know, the ability to sort of hold a question and keep holding it is not a passive thing. And yet you're not doing something. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the surrendering to that is really quite an active force. And and I would say it takes an incredible amount of um, strength and willingness and vulnerability um, to do that. And, and that's when like the cup starts to fill up again. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that fulfillment piece is something that so many of us are missing and, but we don't realize it, right? Because much like you said, you have, you, you had the perfect life Mm -hmm. on paper, right? You had the family, you had the job, you had the house, but there's, so much more to life than that right but I think that our society tells us that that should be enough right that you don't really that this whole idea of achieving fulfillment or you know really feeling good about the things that you're doing that it's not just about the money it's just it's not just about the material things is something that I think there's more awareness starting to come from that but I yeah it's still something that a lot of people struggle with yeah you know and it's really funny I mean I'm, I'm going to jump in with I don't know the lesson or the advice um, <laughs> on this but but the point you make is so is so poignant because that's exactly it like I had arrived and I had arrived at what was this sort of American dream right and and it turns out it actually wasn't even my dream. You know, it's like, that's the thing is that like, we start about and we, you know, start achieving and we go, okay, this is, you know, we will get here. And when we get there, we will be happy. And that's sort of, you know, it may come from our family, it may come from society, but we buy into it. And so we like, 
you know, we start trekking our way to there, which for me, which was, you know, again, all of these kind of surrounded by material success, abundance, you know, these pieces. And, you know, and then you get there and you're like, wait a second, this is it? (laughs) Like, this is, this is actually not all it's cracked up to be and I'm not happy. And so the, the beauty, oh, do you want to jump in? No, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, the beauty of it is, is that like in that moment when I arrived there, it's like, crap, these aren't even my dreams. Yeah. They're not even my dreams. So what it did was it gave me, it was a grace because I could stop pursuing, you know, these ambitions and these dreams that were sort of like in the ether (laughs) that I grabbed and ran with. And I could kind of say, God, they're not mine. So now I have the opportunity to say, look, what are my dreams? Like, what do I want? What do I, what do I want that is independent of what my family wants for me, of what society wants for me, of what my job wants of me, um, even what my husband or what my kids want of me? Right. Yeah. I, I was um, having this conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago where I was sharing with her my theories on the midlife crisis. And I said, <laughs> I believe that people who you know, do the quote unquote right thing. You know, they go to school, they get that post-secondary degree or diploma, they get the job, they get married, they have the kids. You know, so you do all the steps that we're told are supposed to bring us that joy, happiness and fulfillment. So we do all of that. We, we toe the line. We're not the rebels. We don't do all the wild and crazy stuff. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, what the hell? Because I, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, but I'm not any happier. And I look at my friends who have not towed the line, who have lived more freely, you know, not within the boundaries of what we were quote unquote supposed to do. And they're having fun and they seem to be really fulfilled and living the life that I kind of want a piece of right now. And so I think that that's where the midlife crisis comes from because you get angry, right? You can get angry about the fact that you've done everything that you were supposed to do. <laughs> you played the game, right? Like, you played yeah, the game. according to the rules and you still feel like you're losing and the people who, yeah, who didn't follow the rules, who created their own rules are having all the fun. And I think that that's why you get the affairs and the, you know, the sports cars or the, I need to, you know, take a six month sabbatical and see the world because these are all things we've always wanted to do, but we're told that we're irresponsible or not, you know, the right thing to do, whatever. And so we haven't done them, but they were, but they were things that we've been called to do for whatever reason. And we've tried to stuff them down because we're trying to be responsible adults. And there just becomes a point where we don't want to play that rule by those game rules anymore. It's so true. And I think, you know, it's like with women in particular, like there's a couple sort of even additional pieces, right? Because sometimes it's anger and sometimes it's resentment, right? Yes. I think oh yeah. That's the other big piece. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like with women, a lot of times it comes out more in resentment of like, like I'm giving everything to, to my family, to my job. And like, where is the giving to me? Like, right. where's like, you know, cause we don't get my turn. Yeah, totally. And it's like when we give and we give and we give and all these aspects of our life. And it's really, you know, again, sort of not really wired in society to say, yes, now, now you should give to yourself. You know, we tend to be very selfless and put, put ourselves last or, 
you know, and, and, and that explodes because again, like we're running on fumes and frankly, like even when you enjoy giving, when you're running on fumes, you're doing it from a place of scarcity. Right. So no wonder there's resentment. You know, so it's like, it's like when there's, when, when we fill up our own cup, when we give to ourselves, when we take time for meditation or take time for ourselves in the ways that, you know, we as women really want and need, um, in our own sort of whatever the self care is, then like our cup <laughs> runneth over and we can give in great measure. Um, we can- yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we like, you know, we hear so much about self care and, a lot of women out there will tell themselves they don't have time for that and almost think that it's an act of selfishness to take that time out for themselves. Yes. But um, I tell my clients that at the end of the day, when you take that time out for yourself, when you can take the time to fill your cup up, then you're going to be of better service to the people in your life that you want to be of service to. And um, because there won't, you won't have any of that anger or resentment or overwhelm and frustration like you'll have you might experience those that overwhelm or frustration but you'll have you'll know what you need to do to balance it out and get back to a place of being able to function in a more productive way yes yes that's so well said and you know and and i like and i can speak about it because i was that person (laughs) i was that person who was really resentful and constantly giving and then constantly on empty um for sure. So yeah, I can absolutely relate. And, and not feeling like, you know, like I'm only going to give to myself when everyone else is taken care of. And it just, right. It doesn't work. No. Not at all. <laughs> Jennifer, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned from this experience? Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's a couple of lessons. One, one shame doesn't get anybody anywhere. <laughs> so, so the shame that I had was not, was not going to help me out. And if, if we don't catch the little things, the little things become big things. So for me, it developed into a crisis. So I'd say sort of like the, the lessons sort of on the way down <laughs> were, were there. And then, yeah, like my life doesn't look that different. I still have the same husband, the same kids and, you know, different career, but I live in the same neighborhood. I mean, largely my life doesn't look that different. So, you know, one of the pieces is that taking the risk to explore what you want and what's happening inside does not actually mean you're going to have to include your life. It does not mean that you're going to have to go, you know, be in a cave on a hilltop in solid, you know, in, in isolation or, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean that you, you know, your life needs to blow up. Um, it's, it's more about finding a relationship to your life that can bring the kind of abundance that you want. Yeah. It's really about doing the work on yourself. It's not changing Mm -hmm. the external variables. Isn't going to make your life any better if you don't do the work on yourself. No. And I mean, I haven't talked about this piece, but you know, another lesson this emerged out of the meditation is that I started doing workshops on play workshops for women on play, which I I know you mentioned the bio. And the thing was, is like, do you can find a sense of play or fun in any moment? So I was the woman who was like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time. Like it was always like, I don't have time. And so my relationship was fine, was rough, but like there are ways that you can find the pleasure and the joy in each moment. Even if it's a hard moment, you know, the other day, like, my son was really upset and, and 
he's a teenager, he's 15. So like he was having a moment and we were in the car and I was like, okay, you've got 30 seconds. You can say whatever swear words you want to <laughs> the top of your lungs for like the next 30 seconds. And it was like, it shifted everything. We went from kind of batting at each other to like, he just exploded. He let it out. And like halfway through, he just started laughing. Right. <laughs> Because here he was in the car with his mom saying everything he wasn't supposed to say. Right. <laughs> He's like, woohoo. Yeah. And so like giving ourselves permission in these moments that like even in a hard moment or a tough moment or a sad moment to like find find a way to play with it um, is really powerful. I would agree with that. And I find that um, the more laughter I have in my day, the easier, no matter what, what craziness might be going on. <laughs> if yes. I can find something to have a good belly laugh about, then yeah, it's all going to be okay. And so sometimes that's why I play with my dog when I'm having yeah. a rough moment because <laughs> she is so goofy and it's almost like she knows that you, you need to be entertained. So she'll do something that, yeah, just makes everything feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and last, I think we're probably running out of time, but the last thing, like, sometimes we look at certain emotions and it's like, what if you're feeling incredible grief? Like, how do you play with grief? Right? Like, but you can, like, you can, like, find the song that makes you as sad as possible and you play it and, like, go into it. Like, just let yourself sob and, 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 and exaggerate it, you know? Like, let it be full on. Yeah, you and, need that release sometimes. Yeah, yeah. and if, if you just dive fully into it, like, it can move through you and move out, and then it doesn't have to sort of stay stuck in your body somewhere. So sometimes play doesn't look like, it might not look as lighthearted. Right. <laughs> I mean, or it could be like a good friend of mine who's, you know, she's a chief compliance officer at a, at a Fortune 500 company, and she has a pocket disco ball. So <laughs> whenever things get stressful in the office, she brings her team in, somebody's DJ, and she turns on the pocket disco ball. I love it. <laughs> and they take a five-minute dance break. Yeah, I have um, a playlist that's, mm-hmm. yeah, all the music that I can just dance like in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, what advice would you give to somebody who's having their own crisis at the moment where they're, you know, they, they feel like they should be happy with what they have and the life they're living, but they're not feeling positive about it. And yeah, yeah, having that guilt about the fact that they ought to be more grateful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things. One, I just, I have a huge amount of empathy. It's a hard place to be in. Um, and, and you often feel really trapped. And so the key is to kind of figure out that you're not, you're not actually trapped because it feels like you, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything about this particular situation. Otherwise you would have, right? So I would say two pieces. One, you know, rather than looking in, at life in terms of sort of either ors, try and find the and, right? Mm-hmm. Like where is the and in life? And then have the courage to, to find a modality, find, you know, find a modality that's going to work for you where you can do some inner exploration, you know, have the courage to do it. Because um, I know for me, I was really afraid to, I was afraid I was just going to keep seeing monsters because I had a lot of harsh self-judgment on myself. But in fact, actually 
the more I did the inner exploration, the more I could just feel the parts of myself that are so much bigger than my story. Right. And so have the courage to, you know, whatever the modality is, whatever, you know, the path that feels right for you, you know, find a way to, you know, to, to explore your inner world. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate the nuggets that you shared. And for those of you who might be in your car or at the gym or walking your dog, <laughs> um, you can always come back to the show notes and learn more about Jennifer because I will have links there to um, connect with her so that you can learn more about her and what she does. Thank you so much, Sandra, for having me. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, I, I enjoyed our conversation. And so for the listeners, I will see you next week. Take care.